All right, welcome, welcome, welcome. We back, we back. Sold in sixty, the most in demand podcast there is right now. A lot of people are asking, how do they come on the show? Get in contact with us. We want to shout out our sponsors, Factual Film Studio in the building. Thank you, Factual, for giving us the opportunity to come here and shoot. If you guys are looking for uh, podcast time, you're looking to rent podcasts, you're looking to start your own podcast, maybe you're looking to do commercials for your business, maybe you're looking to do social media marketing and things of that nature, get in contact with Factual Film Studio. Um, They'll point you in the right direction. We also want to shout out our sponsor, Richdale School of Real Estate. If you're looking to get your post-continuing education credits, if you're looking to get your real estate license, uh, get in contact with them. They'll point you in the right direction. And we back again So the 60 What episode is this Rich? Who knows I lost count <laughs> <laughs> But I know it's a very special episode Because we got a very very special guest For sure You know what I'm saying So I want to welcome Mr. Dorian Coley to the building Yes sir Thank yeah. you guys Big it's claps Big pleasure. claps Big claps For sure man Glad you can be here man How you doing? Doing good Doing good Beautiful day today You know Networking this morning Happy to be here. It's been a minute since I've seen Rich. Mm-hmm. First time I've been in this space. It's a beautiful thing. I see the way you've grown. I'm happy to be here. Definitely. All right. Thank you, man. I appreciate you stopping by. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you took the time to stop by here, and we appreciate it, man. So we want to jump right into it. Um, you know, a lot of our viewers that are watching this show, um, you know, we have some uh, veterans in the game, some OGs in the game that that, that check in and, and, and watch the show, but... A lot of our viewers are new people that are just now getting in the industry. So um, I know they want to hear, how did you get involved in the timeshare industry? How did you start your, your journey in the timeshare industry? Wow. Okay. Timeshare industry journey. Well, let's rewind back to 2016. So mm. 2016, I was in New York looking for a vacation. Never went to Florida before. So I found a cheap vacation come down to Florida. It was attached with the timeshare presentation. So I said, all right, why not? Let's try it. I had the money in my pocket, so I booked it. They told me that I had to fly into Miami. The timeshare presentation was in Orlando, the next town over. So I flew here. You know, it was a beautiful thing. When I got here, I realized it was a three-hour trip. So I ended up making the trip up to Miami, spent um, to Orlando from Miami, excuse me. And um, I actually had to spend extra money. Mm -hmm. So I went on the timeshare presentation, cost me extra money. I'm sitting there pissed. So now to recoup the money that I spent, I went on another timeshare presentation at Westgate. So the very next day from, you know, staying in Orlando, I'll have to go back to Miami to get the flight. I took the presentation at Westgate and I ended up buying a VOA package. But (laughs) I got sold. But anyway, um, what happened was the sales rep, she was very, very good. And she told me she was a licensed real estate agent. So that made me actually... It was a sign on the wall where it said Westgate Academy. That intrigued me. So I took a picture of that sign and did the application while I was on the actual presentation. If I paid attention, I probably would have bought a timeshare. But I was doing that that application, so I ended up buying the vote at the end with wifey. And um, after I did that application, got back home. A couple days later, Westgate was on the phone call, and he said, you know, there's a class starting, WPDI4, blah, blah, blah. Are you interested? I said, well, listen, I'm in New York. He said, well, if you weren't interested, you shouldn't have did the application. So long story short, wifey said, you got nine days, get there, get in class, do something with your life. So I did it. Long story short, 2016, I ended up, you know, starting with Westgate and the rest is history. 
Big time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm bringing it back just to like say like one thing that I, when I met Dorian, I didn't know that full story, but I knew that he came down to Florida to set up shop for his family. And one thing that I definitely admired was his drive and his hustle. And I think um, I remember your family wasn't here yet. Correct. But he's like, I'm going to I'm going to make it. I'm setting up shop for them. And then he, he went and brought them down. And I don't know if we met after you brought them down, but I could tell you there's not many people that I know that have that type of drive and tenacity. You know what I'm saying? So that was one thing that I, I, I admired. And I could say another story, some shit that I really admire. I don't know if I forget to tell you. So, you know, we do like um, morning meetings, right? And we do like morning meetings. And most people are afraid to talk to crowds. And at this point, I, I don't know if I was a trainer or not, but I seen this man come up and talk to 100 reps and motivate them. And I think that that was not just courageous, but that was just dope. You know what I'm saying? Because most salespeople... Uh, even though that they sell and they could be, you know, confident in selling, they can't talk to crowds. There's a fear. And I watch him rock the crowd and I said, I like this dude. And that's when I became a fan. That's when I, be- Yo, I, that's when I became that. a fan. I appreciate you remember that. that. I remember that. That's when um, we had a, um, it, it was a big thing. And it was like my first week there. And I had a shirt on that said, move units. I move units. I got mm. that shirt from my boy Sammy, who was a car dealer in New York, you know, Mikey's Auto, mm-hmm. and um, I was helping him move units. <laughs> you know, it, it was true. Any unit I moved, he was like, yo, you go out there, you move the unit, you go ahead, you get paid. So mm-hmm. I was out there moving units. But he had some high-ticket items, you know what I mean? He had some top-class rappers and things like that. So it was always nothing to talk to people. Mm-hmm. So once you realize that everybody in the crowd is just another person just like you, it's easy to convey your message, especially if it has value. And that's one thing that I did pride myself on. When I got into Westgate, <clears throat> I said, you know what? I'm leaving everything behind me in New York. Mm-hmm. I was staying in hotels, living up and down 192. I had no place to stay. I, I just came out here with nothing. Mm-hmm. And it was either make it or not. You know, and I wasn't going back because it was really nothing there. I wasn't going back to what I just left. So I had to create value. And I was talking earlier um, off camera, and I said, the man you see today is not the man you would have known before Westgate. Mm. I say that to say that Westgate is really life-changing on every level. Mm. When I first jumped through the doors, I said I had to create value. But creating value and learning the sales techniques ended up creating a mindset of tenacity and a different mindset that molded me to be who I am today. When I say that, I mean, it's like repetition is the father of learning. And if you constantly listen to the Zig Ziglar's, the Jim Rohn's, the Les Brown's, you listen to, you know, everything out there, you become a different person just by default. Mm -hmm. So from listening to the content to become a better salesperson, it ended up helping me undig you know unearth who i really was as a person and that also helped me transition to the sales floor because everything on this sales floor is a transition of emotion and one of the biggest things that i had to do to gain value in this company and as a person was to really be myself Mm -hmm. you know and that's something that a lot of people can't do but i'm just comfortable being me in any situation and that's what transcends through everything i do you know now, some is so it sounds like you have some sales background, some sales experience already before you got into the timeshare industry. So when you went through the the vigorous training that the uh, 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 that Westgate gave you, 
Would you say this was new sales techniques that you were learning or was this things that you've seen before um, from your previous sales jobs? The previous sales job I had was just moonlighted at my boy's dealership, just smoozing with people. But I was an educator. I spent almost 10 years in the classroom from 06 to 2016. I was in the New York City Department of Education. So, mm. and you know, and I went to school and I got my bachelor's in entrepreneurship and marketing. So to come to this sales arena, it was brand new. So it was really like a fish out of water. I didn't really know it. But one thing that stuck out to me, before all of this, you know, I had a goal, a drive to give back. So when I got into the training, the first thing that they said was, we save lives. Mm. And I said, wow, that's powerful. We save lives and we change lives. So I said, you know what? This is something I can rock with. Mm. If this is what the company's about. I can rock with that and I can make it a part of me and I can make it my own. So from that point forward, I made the training. I made everything my own. I made it my business to make it my own. You know, One thing I learned along the way, I've done a lot of things in life and um, – one thing, one of my, one of, one of the people that I admire in life, his name is Caesar. God bless the dead, but um, he was the president of the of the motorcycle club I was with. And he always said, you know, don't take things personal, but take things personal. Take it personal. Take it personal enough where you care if it's someone that you're doing it for. My family was who I was doing it for, so every day in class I took it personal, mm-hmm. you know. So therefore, I couldn't fail. So that training, I made it my own as quick as I could because I couldn't fail. Mm. How long would you say it took before? Because you know everyone has a learning curve when they first when they first get started. How long did it take for you before it clicked to the point where you was like, okay, I see what's going on here. I know what I'm doing. Let's get to work. I would say about a good month and a half, something like that. But what made it click, I was blessed to work with some of the best in the industry. You know, mm. when I say the best of the best, I mean the people that I started with that spoon-fed me what I know. I'm a conglomerate of everything that they've taught me. And they're all multi-multi-million dollars, multi-million dollar producers in the game today. And um, it clicked when my T.O. said, listen, this is your house. Mm. What are you letting these people push you around for? This is your house. When you go out there and sit at that table, you go to that table. You eat breakfast. They're coming to eat with you. You invited them to be here. So if you don't give them the service they desire or deserve, or if they're being rude to you or whatever, you handle that appropriately like it would be in your living room. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, I want to sit here in my office just like my T.O. did and eat a sandwich. He was called a credit card collector. I'm going to teach you to be good so I can be like him. Go out there and make it your house. From mm. that point forward, I said, shit, I ain't know nothing. Mm-hmm. So this is my house. Let me clean the table for you. Let me go over here and do this. So then service just became like everyone is my family. So that's when I transitioned from I have to stop being a salesperson and start catering to these people's needs as if they are my family. So let's get down to business and talk about this family vacations. Got yeah. you. Yeah. Got you. I love it, man. I love it. That's yeah. fa- I've seen them in action. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Where you from, D? I'm from Queens. You know what I'm saying? I'm from Queens. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Born in Hollis, Queens, raised in South Jamaica. You know how it go. North side, all day. Henderson. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I think I think he came with a different energy to the sales floor. I think the timeshare industry lets you apply 
that that energy because we come from uh an environment that may be a negative environment where you had to put that energy somewhere else when you find mm-hmm. something like this that's fun and you get paid well for helping people oh it's a different game so that whole make it your house thing i definitely know what you feel yeah right. i love that make yeah. it your house you're yeah. right about that and then it's then it's like it's no competition when it's your house it's your house mm-hmm. so everybody on here is on your block it's your house on your block but it's your house so once i saw it like that no rep no matter what they did in their house it was what they were doing but it's my house over here so whatever i did in my house just was just as long as i made the training a part of it because it's always a to z mm-hmm. and you have to keep that sequence for success but as long as you know how to internally make it yours and make it your house while doing it, you're comfortable. And everything comes off as a smooth, casual conversation. So that actually, you know, it helped me a lot, especially coming from where I come from, you know, 718. <laughs> yeah, not only that, coming from New York, New Yorkers have, I mean, it's almost like a status that you have to hold because if you're coming from New York, you're expected to, you know, have good uh, communication skills or sales skills. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost like a chip on your shoulder. You got to represent, you know, you can't come from New York and then be a bust. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So you got to kind of represent a little bit, man. Yeah, especially, you know, the hashtag Queens get the money. QTGM, (laughs) QTGM. We got to represent that. (laughs) Yeah, it was a beautiful thing because I was blessed. I started, I hit the floor in 2016 and I got my 2 million ring by 2017. And then the very next year, I hit the management level and never stepped down. You know, so it's just been a beautiful thing. It's been a beautiful ride. And, you know, I always say, and I was always taught that this game, if you don't come in humble, it will humble you. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that's on many levels because you can see, you know, 100,000, 200,000 one year. The next year, you see 30,000. How are you going to recover from that? And, you know, sometimes there was a time where I went on a 21 day and you at the villas, you know, I mean, not, well, sorry, you know, but in Orlando, you see three tours a day, 300, 400 people a year. So when you go 21, 22 days without a sale, that's ridiculous because mm-hmm. now, you know, in 21 days, how you going to pay your bills if you mm-hmm. didn't manage it right? So you, you don't have it. But at that most vulnerable point. You can't break because now you're going to have deal breath on the table. The mm-hmm. family's going to feel it. Everything's going to come off unnatural. It's going to be a horrible thing. So you really have to humble yourself and really become a stoic and put all your emotions away and really think about the best for the family in front of you. If you can really just detach yourself from everything going on and think about that family, everything else falls into play. So let's talk about that for a second, because um, it's happened to the to the best of us. It's happened to the greats. It's happened to all the top writers. Um, you know, you, you 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 let's say you got three four deals in a row. You're on fire, you know. And then it comes that slump where you can't give it away. You know, what do you do during those hard times to you know keep that motivation and keep your mind right to be like you know, hey, I know I haven't sold my last fifteen tours, but I'm still gonna go out on tour sixteen and give it my all. What do you do to keep yourself motivated? There's two things that I always go back on. And um, when I first started, the original director we had, he always said, you know what? You get to 1 million, 100,000 at a time. You know, you just have to keep going. And he also said the praises that you give God when things are going the worst are the ones he hears the loudest. So those are the times I tend to pray more, right? Another thing I do is keep swinging because it was Jim Rohn. Um, he always said, like, Babe Ruth, even when he hit a slump, what did he do? Did he go to the dugout? Or did he keep swinging? So he just kept swinging. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. So prayer, 
kept me grounded and the knowledge and the logic of the motivational stuff that I was listening to kept me swinging. So I kept swinging, walking by faith and stayed detached. So one thing one of my directors also said was when you leave everything in the parking lot, you could come fresh. So during that walk, I would walk and pray and detach, get to the sales floor and keep swinging no matter what. And eventually I realized that the 21 days, calculate that into hours, the next deals I got paid out more per hour for the time I was resting those 21 days. Mm. It was 21 days of rest, 22 days of rest. That's mm. all it was. Mm. Got you. Yeah, it was mindset. You just got The whole game is mindset, you know, because you're having a bad day at work, but you get to go to work. So mm. it's like you have to renew your mind in this game. That's why I say if you're not humble, this game will humble you. So I had to create value. The man you see here today is not the man I was when I was in New York on the block. <laughs> Chilling yeah. with everybody, you know, it was different. Do Do you feel like um, sales reps in the industry have to pitch heat in order to make it? I feel an insecure rep will pitch heat because they don't know their product well enough to pitch the value. And they don't believe in the product well enough to do the knowledge to know the value of it. So they pitch heat as a, de as a weakness. It's mm. a weakness. It's never a need to pitch heat when you truly believe in the product that you're selling because you benefit from it, you know, and you know the benefits. There's one thing about this product. When I had to make myself more valuable, what did I do with my days off and my vacations? I visited all the properties. I made sure I knew something about every property, how it worked, how to use it, because if someone came to me, I had to be that specialist. I had to be the doctor. You know, I learned that from the doctor. Mm -hmm. So I had to be that specialist. So... I had to learn everything. And the more I learned, the more excited I got about my product that I was selling. So I had no problem explaining it because I was also taught by my original TO, the deal is in the details. So I made sure I knew the details of everything that we offered. And it was never a need to pitch heat. Yeah. You know, we talked about that too. You said, um, you know, you took it upon yourself to learn, go the extra mile and visit some of the other resorts and, you know, go a little bit more in the book and see, you know, how the exchange program works or whatever the case may be. You'll be surprised of uh, how many reps, they don't go the extra mile. They don't do the extra things that's needed. They just show up, you know, and think that, you know, they're going to make $150,000 a year. You know what I'm saying? And it, it doesn't work that way. You got to put in the, the, the extra work for sure. It's true. And I learned that too, because I thought, you know, when I first came in, I saw some of the people on the sales floor hitting three tables, hitting one while one's doing the paperwork, the manager's collecting the deal. I'm like, yo, this is easy. Just go hit it up. <laughs> you know, it looks so easy. But then once you realize that it's not that easy and you start getting that burn where you don't get no half checks and your drawers adding up and everything mm -hmm. start feeling, then what do you do? You go back to square one. And, you know, that's when I was thankful for my trainers because um, not knowing much, but going through training with the trainers for that amount of time, not knowing anyone in Florida, period, mm -hmm. that's all I knew. So they also helped keep me grounded and everything like that, you know? So it was just it was just a whole, I don't know, it was, it was a family when I got here. And I'm just thankful that I was able to be a part of it when I was in the door, you know? And thankful that this dude became a trainer, you know? Because <laughs> he's helped me a lot so in so many ways throughout, you know? And when I first started, he wasn't a trainer. He was on the floor. We all had to vote for this dude. I yeah. didn't know him from a can of paint, but I said, you know what? Jamaica Queens, <laughs> we yeah. in this. That's my brother right there. You know what I mean? So from that point forward, he was a trainer. So he was actually off the floor, and he was able to help a lot in many different ways too. 
So now you you um you went from sales rep to 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 now. So how do you um you know get your sales reps in the right state of mind to get their state peak right to what are you telling your sales reps every morning before they go out and hit the floor? Well, right now I'm in a funky position. I'm in a new resort, so I'm rep and TO. I do everything like that. But what's kept me consistent in being a TO is well, one thing I learned, I could put it like this. There's a difference between a manager and a TO, and there's a difference between a leader and a manager. Mm. And when I go back and think about it, it was more of something I learned. It was, I forgot who said it, but if you lay out a piece of string and you push it from behind, the string will bunch up and double back on itself. If you take the same string and pull it from the front, everybody falls in line. But nobody's going to do that if you're asking them to do something that you've never done yourself. So that's why I always take it upon myself to let my team know, listen, you've seen me. I've been battle tested. I've been in this trench. I've been in this objection. So listen, you've seen me overcome with this. None of my reps have not seen me on the floor. Mm. So all of my reps trust in what I say. So trust goes a long way when it comes to the team. You know what I mean? If a team sees you in action and knows that you have knowledge that they don't to get them through that war, they're more likely to follow you. So I always give something of value to my team. So, for example, for example, one of the things that I talked about in one of my morning meetings was about goal setting. Goal setting is very huge. It's huge. It's not just goal setting on for, for your sales. It's goal setting in life because one aspect, it spills over to the other. So I always talk with my team that we have to always have to, we have to hit a goal. So in the mornings we would have, I need this from you. I need you from do, to do this. I need this. I need this amount from everyone today. It's not about this. It's about me working for you to get the best out of you because I know you have that potential. And I would let them know. 25K from you, we're going to do it this way. You know what I mean? I need you to do this. Yesterday we did this. Yesterday we didn't do that. Or It would always be a reflection of things that we've done. So my team always would go back. It's kind of like, I believe it was Dale Carnegie, and he was like, if you can always, anything you can say, that anything you can say, you can ask. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I would always pose questions to my team which makes them think about their performance or mm -hmm. think about something that they've done or think about things they can tighten up on, you know? And that way I never had to either, I never had to reprimand. I never had to scream. Well, one time because it was out of my character, but I, you know, I don't want to go there, yeah. but go there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, scream at a family or a rep? No, it was a rep. Oh, it, was okay. a rep. it was a rep. Yeah. I had to scream at a rep because, you know, sometimes you get the reps that, they're, they feel entitled and they feel like they know more because they've been in another department for longer than you've been in that position. But they don't know the, you know, some people are placed in management positions because the director knows their capabilities and their, yeah. what they are. And sometimes, you know, they don't understand that and they want to go above and beyond. And, you know, 
it's it's a sales floor, so it's always a heated situation. It's sales, so mm. sometimes that pot boils over, and on one situation, the pot boiled over, and I got out of character where I didn't want to. You know, on that sales floor, in the whole sales thing, it's like the Wizard of Oz. Like you know, I learned that from my first TO as well. It's like the Wizard of Oz. You never pull back the curtain, mm. but that time they actually had me pull back the curtain, and I let the animal out. You yeah. know what I mean? South Jamaica came back out for a second, <laughs> but on a regular basis, I never have to do that because the team trusts in my judgment and they trust in where I've been and they trust in where I can lead them. And um, one thing that I like to do in the morning meeting is talk about goals. And a lot of times what I've learned is my teams, they don't, they, they didn't see themselves performing as high as they did. So their goals were actually set too low and they hit them instead of aiming too high and missing. So I had to help them restructure their mind to think about that you know, who are you and what is your why? What are you here for? Because if you're not justifying that every single day and, you know, being your own business, one thing I learned and always projected to my reps, team, anybody is mind your business. That means, yes, mind your damn business, <laughs> but also be aware of the business you're conducting while you're on the floor and in this game because you're a 1099. Mm -hmm. So mind your business and mind your business. And as long as you're minding both, you're going to be successful. How? These are the ways. You've seen this. And if you can't understand that, here's a trainer who's been there too who can help you understand it if I can't explain it the way that you can accept it. And that back and forth between the training and the team, it was always great. And one thing I learned was um, Ken Lawson, the Bar Louis. Mm -hmm. I take my team out. I build the family relationship with my team. So my team is like my family, you know what I mean? We rely on each other. We have each other's back. And it's not like anything adversarial. And the competition amongst the team is always pushing each other to do a little bit better. Because in this game, good enough is never good enough. So you always have to find a way to push these reps and yourself to be better. Because at the end of the day, the managers work for the reps. We don't get paid if you don't sell. So if I can make you the best salesperson possible, then my children are going to eat. So what can I do so I can become a credit card collector to sit back and eat my sandwich while you out there writing mm -hmm. $5 million a mm -hmm. year? You see? So I always tried to make each rep their own manager. <laughs> you made them strong. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, how do you handle, uh, you know, because you have, we talked about this with our last guest, uh, Fred, when Fred was on here. You have your weak reps. You have your strong reps. Some reps, you expect for them to come around the corner and just throw the credit card on your table and say, hey, Dorian, write this up. And then there's some reps that come over and say, oh, well, Dorian, I don't know. And I, this is going on. And that's going. It's just like, you know, hey, what are you doing? So how do you, I, I guess, how do you communicate to your weak reps about, I mean, do you care for about pulling the credit card or is that not important to you? You just want to get, hey, rep, get them to want it and I'll come to the table and do the rest. Or do you care more? Hey, no, come over here with a credit card. Don't come over here unless you have a credit card. What? How's your style? It depends on the setup because some families, you know, right now, the specific track I'm on, we see the same families three and four times a year. They come back. They come back. So sometimes they have a problem with being that person because they build such a family relationship with them. But as far as the weak reps, they're really, in my mind, there is no weak rep. There's just a rep that hasn't found themselves yet. Mm. So they just need a little bit more time. So you need to listen more. And as a manager, you can tell what's missing on the table if you hit the table right. Mm. You can know the urgency statement was missing because this is they're saying certain things. 
There are only there are only a few objections. That's it. Once you overcome those objections, you got to sell. The only thing should be money. So you can know what the weak reps are missing. And those are the ones that you take out by themselves. Take them to the fun spot and say, listen, now after this, we're going to go over a A to Z. Break them out of their comfort zone because a lot of times they get stiff like this mm. in the sales floor and they can't be who they are. So you have to take them out of the sales floor because they'll think you're reprimanding them. And I'm not about people just having a revolving door. As much money as a company spends per rep, I want to make sure they get the value out of it too. I thought about that as well. Because if it was my business, I want the most value out of everybody. So the weaker reps are the ones that I would take out to those bar louis. Those are the ones that I would do as well as the strong reps. But it would be sometimes one group and then another group and then the group together. So I would, I would stratify it because there's levels to this and there's levels to reps, you know? And if you can get the best out of everyone, if you're getting the best out of a rep and they can only do 1.1 and that's the best that they're doing, great. Then I've succeeded. So I don't think they're a weak rep. You see what I'm saying? So I can't expect this everybody to do the same thing because there are some nuances that come with the sales technique that other people can't master because it's not a character trait of theirs. So I just wish, you know, everyone would understand that. <laughs> and I, I don't come waving the stick. So it all depends on how it is. Different tables, different families, different reps. Everything's a different situation. Now, for the people that may not know, they're listening or they're watching, they may not know what Bar Louie is. Give them a breakdown of what Bar Louie was and, and what went on at Bar Louie. All right. So Bar Louie is, it used to be a bar in Orlando where um, the reps would come and one of the greatest in the industry, Ken Lawson, I learned a lot from him as a rep, as a manager, as a person. He's a great guy. And um, he taught me the importance of it. It builds that family relationship. So at the Bar Louie's, we would all be, meet up. It would be just, not just our team, it would be other managers in their teams. It would be team building on a management level where the managers would get together and talk about what they've done successful with their teams and um, different techniques that they use on tables. The reps would get together. The top reps would tell the, the new reps or the weaker reps their techniques. We would do pencil pitches. We would go over different objections, objection handling. It was all of that. And then we would end the night with dancing. It was beautiful. <laughs> and the next day, everybody would get deals. Yeah, it was yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's dope. It was crazy. That's dope. Yeah, but I think, you know, things have changed. They need to bring that back. I don't think teams are, you know, you might be doing it down there where you are, but I don't think they're doing it like they used to do it back in the day like that, man. I don't I don't nah. think they are. Now they switched that. I think the game changed a little bit. Um, yeah, the game did change from what I'm hearing now is everything is a revolving door. And in this society, everything has become a revolving door. So, we're, you know, I feel like if we're pitching family and family values and family, 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 we need to keep it as a family. So let's continue to, you know, for 40 years, we've been family. Let's continue to be family. So no matter what, the way I mind my business is minding my business as a family because at the end of the day, it's my house, you know. So I still mind my business like a family. So it's a little bit different. That's one of the blessings of being on a smaller track because I can do it that way. Yeah. I think what happened since uh, those days is they now went into, and it may it may change back again, but this particular resort we're talking about, they changed the rotation where the, the reps don't work with the same manager every day. They rotate each day. So they don't know who they're working with. And some managers, from what I saw, had a feeling like, I even like even when we, when we were on teams, some managers say, I don't want to train this rep 
my techniques because he's going to go work with this other person and then share mm-hmm. my information. Mm-hmm. But then you have people that were mm-hmm. selfless, like Ken, I give him his flowers again. Yeah. He he would tell anybody, come along, you know? And I remember one time he actually put together, like, he asked other TLs to come. And we went to a, we went to Bahama Breeze, I remember. And it was just like uh, every manager came in and we shared, they shared their, you know, their skills. And, but everybody does that. Why do you think so? Why why do you think top reps don't like sharing their secrets? The number one reason I feel is because they don't think it's enough meat on the bone for them and it's a pride thing. You know, you once again it goes back to what I say, you gotta be humble or this game will humble you. Mm-hmm. And um that's another way to be short lived in this industry. Because one thing I learned, some of the best of the best, and shit, I'm gonna call names, you know, Amela. She's one of the best of the best, multi-million dollar producer. Sure. Shout out to Mella. And um, my first week there, she put me under her wing and showed me everything. Showed me how to put together an owner's kit. Showed me how to um, knock on a door. Get out of here. She put me on a golf cart. It was her and Farrah Ace. Oh, wow. They yeah. put me on a golf cart, drove me around and said, this is how you do it. So... And they were the number ones, the best of the best. So I thought that was how you do it. So once I started being acclimated with the game, I realized that other people who weren't doing that really had hidden hate in their blood and they didn't want to share what they had. But one thing I did learn by them pulling me under their wing right away, that the more my crown crown will shine, will never take any luster off of yours. So. With that mentality, I've been successful, and mm-hmm. you know I've never really had to rely on other people because God and everything else has shown me those same skills from other people. And some people who have been in the industry for one day, some people for 20 years, you can learn from all of them equally. Yep. And some of the coveted ideas that people thought were so secret and so hot, <laughs> somebody brand new off the door taught me what they were hiding. So, right. Right, yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's been it's like that. So it's really it's really an interesting game. Let, let's say you um, let's say you have a rep uh, to your left, experienced rep. Let's say three, four years in the game, and let's say to your right, you have a brand new rep, never sold time share in their life. Which rep do you want on your team? Both, to tell you the truth, I want both because um, the way it works, the people have a fear of old reps being stuck in their habits and stuck in their ways. Yeah, that's why I asked you. Right now, with that being said. I've worked with people who've been with this company for many years before I have. They're actually in the training books. When I was in training, we actually saw some of their pictures and they were actually <laughs> some of my reps. Yeah. You know, so I actually want both because the experience, knowledge I can absorb and also find a way to transcend that to the new guy who has a fresh, clean slate. But a clean slate is also a clean slate. So it's going to be that learning curve that we spoke about. So if they're both on my team, it's a balance so everybody can eat. So I actually want both on my team. And like like it goes to say, the ones who are older reps, so to say, if they've seen you on the floor, if they've seen you battle tested, they have no problem opening up their mind and trying the new techniques. So that's why one thing is for sure, I've never been anywhere where they haven't seen me get down. Yeah. That's what's up. That's what's up, man. If you have some new reps right now watching this, they're watching this on either, they're listening to this on either Spotify, they're watching this on Instagram, they're watching this on YouTube, they're watching it on the Factual Channel app, they're brand new in the game, um, they're getting, they're, they're thinking about getting in the game, what advice do you have somebody, 
what advice do you have to somebody sitting on the sidelines watching this saying, man, I, I want to get into timeshare. I'm thinking about doing it. You know, what advice do you have for them? The first advice is stack up your money. Don't live in hotels like I did while you were trying to get licensed and all that stuff. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> there is a learning curve and there is also a pay curve that 21 days, if you're not licensed, you know, it, it's crazy. You get paid every two weeks and you get that little bit of money, but stack up at least six months of bill money. At least six months because you're going to do a month in training and it may be two to three months before you get a sale and then a month before you get paid on it. And we don't need you on the floor, you know, shooting yourself in the foot, getting deal breath, losing deals because you're desperate for money to pay bills. So first thing, give yourself that cushion. And while you're giving yourself that cushion, stacking up the bread, learn about the company you want to be with. Visit their properties, learn how the product works, learn the exchange companies. And do that in the time you're prepping for it. Don't just jump into it blind. Yo, that is the, when I tell y'all, if y'all listening to this, that is the mm-hmm. realest shit somebody will tell you. You know what I'm saying? I wish somebody would have told me that when I got into the residential game. Shots fired. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, no, that's true because some people, so many people will try to, oh, bro, you can you can start today and be a millionaire tomorrow. You know, they'll, they'll sell you on the dream, but it's like, no, there is a learning curve. You okay. know, it is going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, there's some one-off stories where it's a person that never did sales in their life and they come in here and they're just a rock star day one. But realistically, you're going to go through that learning curve, you know, and it's going to take some time. But once it clicks, you know, uh, the sky's the limit for sure. You remember sure. when you got your first sale out of training? Damn, no. Actually, I got scared of the sales floor of my first sale out of training. Yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> yo, right. it, was, it was crazy because, yo, damn, it was, oh, I felt like shit. Okay, so the way it was, it was his family and um, it was a single mother she had two children. One of them was handicapped, and she was already an owner. It was an accident that she actually paid the maintenance twice. They actually made a double payment of maintenance twice, mm. auto draft. So it was totally our fault. Mm. So she came up there to get that fixed, right? So I didn't know anything out of training. My manager at that time was, this is, I was only had this manager for like a week, you know, so this is like fresh out of training. And um, he said, yeah, so if we get that maintenance back, we got a deal. We got a deal. I said, all right, cool. So get it to the table, get everything back, get everything there. We're getting the money up. We're getting the money up. So the lady says, you know what? If we get that maintenance money recouped, I can actually pay for my kids' Disney tickets. Mm. Yeah, (laughs) special needs child. Handicap, they're there to make that happen to get that money to, you know, I don't know how long the kid has to live. But um, long story short, my manager said, F those tickets. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. that that's when I said, damn. Oh, okay, wow. yeah. <laughs> yeah, y'all doing it like this now. <laughs> yes, I got scared of it. And um, the very, like two, three days later, I had a brand new T.O. And that's when everything changed. That's when I saw, like, the birds clouds opened up like in the simpsons when they first opened up <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. that's what i said okay yeah so we are doing something good here yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what's up. yeah. that that kind of reminds me um 
probably my first or second tour you know scared don't know nothing i'm just out there green and the lady comes in and she's complaining that there's roaches in her unit oh there's roaches in the unit but she's showing me pictures on her phone look at this roach blah 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 and my job is to get her to upgrade to buy more so i'm like how the hell am i gonna get this lady to buy more she's showing me roaches in her unit i go to my manager i'm like yo look there's roaches in her unit (laughs) what do i do he's like what building is she in i told him the building He's like, oh, yeah, she's in the older buildings. The reason why, that's why she has roaches in her room. You know, if she don't want the roaches, she needs to upgrade into a newer building. And then when I heard him say that, I was like, oh, shit. So that's 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 what we doing. Okay. So I had to go back to the table and tell this lady, look, I know there's roaches in your room. But in order to avoid that, like, you got to upgrade with me and buy another package. <laughs> and then the roaches will go away. Yeah, it was crazy, man. But So after she upgraded. After she upgraded, right? <laughs> But that's one thing about Timeshare, man. You can take the skills that you learned here and leave in any industry and, and, and be a rock star, man, for sure. And Absolutely. I, honestly, yeah, 100% right because the people skills that I've learned in this and everything beside, besides the people skills, also just the goal setting and the vision boards and everything that we do in training over here because, you know, that was very big. That helped me also with my nonprofit that I've had for over, shit, it's 19 years now. You know what I mean? So one thing that I prided myself on is giving back. So it was crazy. In 2004, I started my nonprofit and let it go dormant because I always figured I needed something glamorous, glitzy, and glorious. And building value for myself out here and also actually making money allowed me to give something back. And now, because of this, my nonprofit is reaching more people and touching lives in ways that it's never been able to before in 19 years. Wow. Yeah. That's deep. Yeah. So now, you know, it's, it's crazy. We are affiliated with a lot of, um, you know, the city of Kissimmee. We actually, from my office, we've been feeding the homeless, um, the homeless and addicted out there since 2016. That, to, that I know. I've seen you do that for sure. Yes. We used to do that out in the streets until, you know, we couldn't solicit by giving out things like that. So we got an office space. So now out of our office space, we do our feedings and we do throughout the week. A lot of, you know, believe it or not, there's different levels to homelessness. Mm. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize that For there's sure. levels to the homelessness. You got the homeless, 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 poverty stricken, out there dependent. Then you have the homeless that actually have tents and have communities. Then you have communities that actually have drug problems. You have the communities of tents that have theft. It's crazy out there. Mm -hmm. But you don't know this if you're not walking the streets out there with them. So, you know, I've been doing that. And throughout the weeks, our office is open seven days a week. So the homeless population that need the boots to go to, you know, labor ready, they have money coming in, but not enough to provide housing. Mm -hmm. So they stop by my office, they'll get shoes, they'll be able to get clothes, they'll be able to get anything they need to keep going like that. Mm -hmm. And the level of um, homelessness that we see within the tent cities, a lot of the tents get damaged. We are in a hurricane state and it's not enough places in Kissimmee. There aren't any, you know, there's nothing out there. So that's why we have these tent cities. Mm -hmm. So we have to, I'm like a landlord, you know, some of the tent cities, they need new tents. They come talk to me. I'm the maintenance guy. I'll bring them a new tent. The tent cities, you know, we need the, 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 the lopers to cut the weeds back, the garbage cans, you know, we provide those things to the, the, you know, the homeless populations. And now we've been blessed enough to partner with the Kissimmee Police Department Domestic Violence Task Force and um, an organization called Help Now. 
and we're able to furnish the homes of the domestic violence survivors who are getting placed in homes to get reintroduced into society, you know? So all of this has been dormant because I've hadn't had the inspiration or the funds to do it. But Westgate and this timeshare industry has provided me a way to give back in ways that I've never been. We've only been funded by myself, you know, and we're able to touch so many people. And again, it all started with the renewal of the mindset of me building value for this company, building value for myself, and now also giving that value back to the community. Awesome, man. Why don't you tell them the name of the nonprofit and how they can get in contact with you if they wanted to participate in any of the events that you have or maybe even donate to the cause? Okay. Yeah, um, it's Destination Life. Um, The web address is destinationlife.net. And when you go to the website, there's a donation link. We take donations through the site directly. Our brick-and-mortar office is 400 Church Street, Kissimmee, um, 34741, and it's Suite 108. Feel free to come by. That's also our donation drop-off center. And we also do one huge feeding the last Wednesday of every month. But like I said, we are open seven days a week to distribute and accept donations. Awesome. That's dope, man. That's dope. Well, listen, before we get out of here, uh, we have this new segment to uh, that we added to the show. Um, Soda 60, we do have our own timeshare sales objection cards. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, so, Rich, if you can't do do the honors, man, pull one out. Let's 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 let Dorian pull a card. So, this is what we do for all the you know tos, managers, reps. They come on the show. We have them pull an objection card, and we you know we test their sales skills on the spot. You know what I'm saying? Um, Kind of like freestyling for for rappers to make sure they really can rap. For sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. right. Let's see. All right. Pick one. I like this one. All right. All right. Oh, Oh, this is just. (laughs) The the units are not up to my standards. Oh, my gosh. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. What's the question? The units are not up to my standards. Okay. 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 This is beautiful. Especially. Especially on my property, but this transcends to all properties. The units are not up to your standards. What exactly are your standards? At my property, we actually have um, a survey which uh, which handles that objection. But if it didn't have that, where you're staying, it depends on how you got here. So, for example, if you came in as an exchanger, we have certain inventory that's placed on hold for our exchangers because we give the best of the best to our coveted owners, mm-hmm. right? And if it's not up to your standards, I'm sorry, but if you are an owner that exchanged in, which piece of your inventory did you exchange? Because there are ways to do it. And I do apologize for your confusion, but there are ways around it. Let me have someone show you the units that you can have should you become my next owner today. Absolutely. Boom. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't have a clapboard thing. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. He's absolutely right about that. You know, depending on, you know, are you exchanger? Are you here on a travel package? You know, what part of your ownership did you exchange to get in here? You know, he, he he's talking from experience. He knows what he's talking about. You guys need to take notes. Definitely. Man. Scribble, I like that, that. scribble that one down. For sure. Absolutely. You know absolutely. Yeah, thank lit. you, guys. You know, this has been an honor and a pleasure, you know. I've seen a lot on this show. I'm happy to be here. I've learned a lot from the guests, you know, and I'm happy to, I'm happy for you, Rich and Dylan, you know, Rich Dale. I've been with Rich Dale real estate too. You know, I've seen both of these guys and to see where they are today. It's, it's a blessing. And also to provide this opportunity for people to learn and also to come by here. And if you need the space, this is just a blessing. I'm thankful to be a part. Now, we appreciate you. And we want to do more with you. You know what I'm saying? So now you see the vision. Mm-hmm. Let's get to work. You know Absolutely. I mean? 
I hope y'all. I hope y'all like the show. I mean, this is a d- gentleman again. I'm a, I'm one of his biggest fans. That's for sure. <laughs> That's humbling. You know what I'm saying for sure. So let's pay some bills, man. Um, again, shout out to our sponsors, Factual Film Studio. If you're looking to rent out the podcast space to hold your own podcast, uh, maybe you want to shoot some content for your business, shoot a commercial, do some social media marketing, especially if you're a real estate uh, agent or in the real estate industry, get in contact with Factual Film Studio. Also, if you want to get your real estate license or looking to get your post-education classes or maybe you just want to just learn about real estate in general get in contact with richdale school of real estate they'll point you in the right direction yes sir for sure yeah, and it's yeah. like that that's, we out that's how you get sold in 60. coley gang coley gang forever <laughs>